has to have revival. There is no other alternative. We have got to have revival in this church. We have got to have revival in the whole church. And I shared with you as we closed out that the church was in the same predicament that we're going to find Paul in in this, this chapter on a ship that gets caught in a storm, a Euroclidon, or Eurocyclodon, however you want to pronounce it, uh, just a hurricane in, in the sea in Europe. And he gets pushed as the sea begins to push him and the winds begin to push him in the middle of two oceans where the two oceans come together. And we have the currents of two oceans and the waves beating against the, the, the ship. Along with that, he has all the winds that's blowing all the way around of a hurricane. So here we have a hurricane that basically has been intensified three times. So I guess all of us would agree here tonight that the spiritual climate in which we live in in America right now, we're kind of in that same situation. That we are in a, I believe it's hotter now spiritually than it's ever been in my whole life. Mm -hmm. And what I'm talking about is spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. And it has really been tough. So I want you to listen to this, and I'm going to skip a little bit as I go on. But in verse number one, it says, And when it was determined that we should set sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners under one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. Now, Luke is writing this. And he says, And we entered into the ship of Adramathium, who, and we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. And one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go into the friends, his friends to refresh himself. And when he had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we sailed over the sea of Sicilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexander sailing to Italy, and he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Sinaitis, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salome. And hardly passing, it came into a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now I want to just add there, it, there has been a time in the church, spiritually, that the church was sailing in Fair Havens. Uh, I tell you, when things are going wonderful, things are going good, it seems like everything's wonderful. Amen? There's nothing really to worry about. I believe that the sailing into Fairhaven's time in this end time is over with. Mm -hmm. We may not ever sail back again into Fairhaven's where everything is good. Now, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. So before we go any further, tell your neighbor tonight, sailing right now is extremely dangerous. If you're going to be out there navigating the things in the world, it's extremely dangerous right now. Amen? Verse 10 said, And he said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much hurt and with much damage. Maybe you need to underline that, circle it, because if you're going to stay on the gospel ship of Zion, there's going to be some hurt and some damage. Don't mean that God ain't looking out for you. It means we got a war to fight. Mm -hmm. More than those things which were spoken by Paul. 
Now, wait a minute. I messed up. I went too far. It said, there been much hurt and damage, not only of the lading and the ship, but also of our lives. So, as it stands right now, in this area that we're in, in this atmosphere that we're in, everything is in a dangerous state. Mm -hmm. All your possessions, the devil's coming after. You need to hear me. Every church, the devil's coming after. Every family, the devil's coming after. The Bible said he is thrown down with great wrath because he knows his time is short. And as each day passes along, you better understand the devil's going to kick up his heels. So if you're going to stand and fight in this fight, you better have some faith. You better do what you need to do, and you better rest assured, give everything you got to God to protect. Amen? Amen. Notice what it said there. It said not only was there going to be hurt and damage to the lading, what's on the ship, the possession of the ship, also the ship, but also our lives. Now, since 2020, the devil's been after our lives. He's been trying to kill us in 29 million different people. And I read statistics Sunday morning explaining to you. If you haven't listened to that sermon, you need to go listen to it because it is very important for you to understand it. It blew me away when I studied and found those statistics that I read to you of how bad things are right here in Bladen County, Columbus County, Robinson County, and Sampson County. We are in a war. And we are worse in those areas, in those four counties, than other counties with five to ten times the population. We have more violent crime than Mecklenburg County has in these four counties. We have more children living in this, uh, these counties without a mother and a father living in the house. We also have more teenage pregnancies in these four counties on statistically proportion uh, to the population than what they have in the metropolitan areas in North Carolina. So when you go to look at this, you've got to kind of conclude why is all this happening just in these four little counties? Why is it in Blaine, Columbus, Sampson, Robinson County it is so bad, but you can go over to Brunswick County and you can go to Wilmington, New Hanover County, and when you compare the population to what's going on, they're an average with every other county. But we are three to four to five times worse than the others are. So we need to find out why that's there. Y'all with me tonight? Amen. Amen. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which had been spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part of eyes to the part thence also, and if by means they might attain to Phoenice and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, and life toward the southwest and the northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they obtained their purpose, Loosing thence, they sail close by street. Can I, by creek? Can I give you some wisdom right now? Just because everything on the surface is going to look like it's perfect, and it's time for you to move, time for you to do something, be extra cautious, because the devil will lure you in with soft winds from the south to make you feel like that. Hey, if I go in this direction, everything's going to be all right. But when you wind up in that direction, you're going to be at the mercies of God in that area. So they saw that the south winds was blowing easily, and they decided then that they were going to go out. But verse 14 says, But not long after there, 
arose against it a tempestuous wind called a Euroclidon, a Euroclidon. And when the ship was caught and it could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. I believe that we have already experienced spiritually a Euroclidon. I believe that the ship right now don't have enough workers in it to be able to properly drive it the way they need to have it driven. I believe the church, the good old gospel sign ship, has just been floating out in the waters of this life for many decades. And I believe it's time for that to change. Would you say amen on that tonight? Amen. So he let her drive. And running under a certain island which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, they straight sail. And so we're driven. Look at your neighbor here tonight and say, there is much work. I told like y'all talk at home. And say, there is much work on the ship. That needs to be done. There is so much work in Living Water Worship Center that one person can't do it all. There's so much work in this church that not three or four people can do it all. There's so much work that's got to be done spiritually that we're going to need each other to be able to get it done. So holler at your neighbor again tonight and say, we're going to have to have each other. If you're going to have to be with me through thick and thin, you're not going to be able to be with me today and gone tomorrow. you got to stay, make a decision, commit, and go on because you own the ship. And if the ship goes down, you're going down. All right? And, when, and we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved have, was then taken away. How many realize now when you talk to people that are coming to the church, a lot of them, they actually have no hope at all that things are going to get any better? Have you all noticed that? It's like everything's just so bad and nothing's going to get any better. So, so we're existing in the brunt of a storm that has assaulted our possessions, assaulted our health, put our lives in danger, taken away what we need to survive in the storm. We've been in the storm. We're in this issue. We're sitting here. The ship is just coasting along. We're just trying to make it through. And we're making it through now. Here we find out that now we're in complete darkness. We're in being tossed about with winds and waves going everywhere. And people are losing hope and even faith in God. We have people in this church that have been in a financial bind for eight years. And they don't have any hope that it's going to get any better. They're not even challenging it anymore to make it any better. We need a lot of work done to the ship in living water. Amen? Amen. Then it says, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and have gained this harm and loss. Now, I've never liked to be able to be the one that has looked at you and said, well, I told you so. But I want to tell living water, I told you so. That's just the honest truth. We, we don't have to be where we are right now. This church does not have to be where we are right now. Now, now, I didn't hear an amen on that. I don't really care if you agree with it or not. It is the truth. We don't have to be where we are right now. 
We have wound up where we are right now because we have chose to be where we are right now. After a long accident, uh, abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, You should have hearkened unto me and not loose from Crete and to gain this harm and loss. In other words, if you'd have done what God told you to do, you wouldn't be going through what going, you're going through right now. If we all, including myself, would have heard what the Spirit was saying to the church, we wouldn't be in the situation we are in right now. We wouldn't be having harm. We wouldn't be losing things left and right. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. So just slap that beside you and say, I know it's bad. But be a good cheer. In other words, it's going to turn around anyway. Amen. I don't care what the news up in the, uh, down in hell says. I don't care what the news says in Washington. I don't care what Raleigh prints. I don't care what you hear on WCT TV. I want you to know God wants you to be of good cheer. Look at that inside and say, be a good cheer. Be good. Now it's hard to cheer yourself up when you've lost everything. I thought about David when David was out fighting and in one day David wound up Losing his home, losing his wife, losing his children, and every man that was there lost the house and everything that they had. Adam had everybody that he was leading turn on him ready to kill him in one day. Now, that was a bad day. It was a bad day. But the Bible says that David, when he couldn't do nothing else, he had weeped till he couldn't cry no more, and he felt sorry for himself till he couldn't feel no more sorry for, what he, for himself than he did already. The Bible says he finally encouraged himself. And the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. There are times in your life that nobody's going to encourage you. In fact, when they look at you, they're going to say, Care, boy, I don't know how in the world you're making it. It's just going to get worse. I don't know why you just don't go ahead and curse God and die. I don't know why you just don't give up. I don't know why you just don't quit preaching. I don't know why you just won't quit being the deacon. I don't know why you just won't quit that church. But you have got to be one that can encourage yourself. you got to get alone, encourage yourself, and say, I know that my God can do it, and even if my God don't deliver me, then I know I'm going to be in a better situation than I am right now, so i still got something left on the inside of me, and I'm going to encourage myself. Nobody else ain't going to encourage me. I'm going to encourage myself. And the whole time that you're encouraging yourself, then there are going to be people trying to discourage you. There are going to be people trying to berate you. There are going to be people trying to run you down. People trying to make you feel bad. You have got to encourage yourself. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And it don't matter how bad the time has been living water. Listen to me. God says be of good cheer. Our word from God in 2024 is to get happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Just look at somebody and say don't worry. Be happy. Now think about that. When you get rid of worry, you get rid of wrinkles. When you get rid of worry, you get rid of an early grave digger. When you get rid of worry in your life, you get rid of stress. When you get rid of worry in your life, you quit getting sick. That's right. So look at your neighbor again and say, be a good cheer. Notice what he said here. He said, be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but the ship's going to be lost. So, God said you might experience them coming to get your car. You might experience them coming to get your house. You might experience them and, and, and things going on in your life where you lose the lady in your ship. 
There might come a time in your life that you got to throw out the tackle and the thing that you, you use to get food for yourself. Mm -hmm. You might lose your job. You might lose your house. And you might lose your car. And you might lose the people that believe in you. But you know what? Your life is still here and God's still got a purpose for you. Amen. So holler out again and say, be a good cheer. Now look what he says then next. He says, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am, whom I serve. I want you to tap your neighbor right beside him and say, there's an angel right beside of you. Say it again. Say, there's an angel right beside of me. You see, when you get up in the morning and you know an angel is taking care of you, he's been released on you, and he's going before you, taking care of your past, taking care of your present. He's taking care of the top and the bottom. It don't matter what's going out there today. You can be of good cheer. Amen? And the angel looked at him and said, fear not. Everybody just hold on and say, fear not. Fear not. You see, fear will cause you to stress completely out. Fear will cause you to throw your hands up and quit. Fear will cause you to give up. I ministered to Darlene through a period of about a month and a half because time, she, she needed something. She needed something hard. She needed it bad. And everything she was trying just wasn't happening. It just wasn't coming together. And I kept telling her, I said, don't worry. Things will be okay. Things will be all right. And after about six weeks, everything just come together just as pretty as you wanted it to come together. God even sent a preacher's boy in her life to be able to help her to be able to get what she needed. Now, she didn't get everything she wanted, but she got everything but one thing she wanted. So God's still going to bless you in the middle of all this stuff. Amen. Amen. So he said, fear not. Everybody hold on and say, fear not. He said, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. Everybody hold on and say, I believe God. I don't believe what Thelma said. I believe God. I don't believe what Kier telling me. I believe God. I don't care how many times Tina tells me this. I'm still going to believe God. I ain't going to believe Darlene. I'm going to believe God. I don't, I'm not going to believe what my boss man tells me. I'm going to believe God. I'm not going to believe what the social worker tells me. I'm going to believe God. And he said, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told to me. Oh, boy, now that there's a made-up mind right there. Amen. You have got to put your roots down that it don't matter what nobody else says or what happened. You're going to believe in God that God is going to see you through. How many of you know that Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Amen. Amen. And if you believe that, then you ain't got to worry about anything. It don't matter what's going on with your children. It don't matter what's going on in your finances. It does not matter what's going on in your church. Quit worrying about it. Be of good cheer and let's praise God anyhow. Amen. Amen. I wish I could really preach on this. I'm going to be in this chapter for a while. I believe you, you see that already. Amen. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come, and as we were driven up and down in the Adria, about midnight, everybody hold out and say midnight. midnight. In your darkest hour of your life, that's when God is going to get you to your destination. When everything looks like that you ain't going to be able to make it, that's when God shows up. God didn't show up in the Bible on earth until the earth was in chaos and in disarray and everything was out of order. 
He did it because he wants everybody to realize that as long as you can correct something in your life on your own strength, you're the one that gets the glory. But when you can't correct nothing in your life and you've got to have God do it, God's the only person that can ever get the glory out of it. We are in a situation right now that it's going to take God to move because God is the one that can handle it. There ain't no man, no woman. It don't matter how much you pray at this moment. God has got to show up in the church to bring revival. Amen? And when he does it, he's going to do it and he's going to get the glory out of it. Amen? So it said there in midnight, in the darkest hour, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. And they sounded, and they found it to be 20 fathoms off. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again, and they found it 15 fathoms. And then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast out four anchors on the stem and wished for the day. Call out your neighbor so you got to cast out some anchors. I preached a message not long ago about talking about the anchors you need to throw out. Do you all remember that? Maybe you need to go back and look at that on, on the, the, the group and hear what God has said. I said in 2024, you're going to have to cast out these four anchors. You're going to have to cast them out because the wind is wanting to drive, the winds from hell is wanting to drive your ship into the rocks and destroy your ship before it's time. And you're going to have to slow it down a little bit. I want you to look at your neighbor tonight and say you got to slow the devil down. You see, the problem is, at Janice in the church, is the church has given the devil a place. And when the devil has a place, he don't just stop at that place. He keeps right on until he can get more and more and more. If you give him an inch, he'll take two miles. Amen? Mm -hmm. So we have got to anchor ourselves. Everybody holler out and say, drop anchor. So you got to start getting these four anchors down and slow the ship down a little bit because listen what it says. And as the shipmen were about to flee out, or let me go back to verse 39. It said, but then, 29, then fear, unless we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and they wished for the day. Smile at your neighbor and say, just put your focus on light coming. Everybody hot now say his light is coming. Amen. Everybody hot tell the devil, say, Devil, I'm telling you the light of God's glory is coming back to live in water worship center. I'm here to tell you, devil, I don't care what you've done. God's glory is showing back up in my finances. I don't care what you're doing. God's glory is still going to show back up in my health. I don't care what you're doing. My God's glory is going to show up in my marriage one more time. I don't care, devil, what you're doing in Washington, D.C. The glory of God is going to show up there one more time. I don't care what you're up to, devil. The glory of God is coming. I'm wishing for it and believing it that God said it, and if God God said it. It don't matter what nobody else says. I'm going to believe it, and God's going to do it. Smile at somebody say, His glory's coming. Amen. Boy, that's enough to make you happy right there. I wish somebody would get happy here tonight. Amen. Well, amen anyhow. Amen. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, smile, smile at your neighbor and say, Stay on the ship. I preached on that Sunday morning, didn't I? Stay on the ship. Look at what's happening in the church. The minute the storm starts coming, we get caught in the brunt of the storm. We get caught in these currents. People start jumping ship. A nice-looking little nice ship comes by. I say, oh, it's really nice. That church over yonder looks mighty good. They got 100 people going to it every Sunday. Why do I still want to go to one that ain't but 30 going to? Oh, they got this for my children. They got this for my husband. They got this for my wife. They got this and like that. They got this and they got that. They got that. And I'm going to go over there. They jump ship. 
I want this church to know and hear God's voice through the spiritual warfare that's going on today. You have got to stay with the ship that brung you. Amen. I'll say it anyhow. And it says, And the shipmen about to flee the shipmen when they let down the boat into the sea under the color as that they have cast anchors out of the foreship. In other words, people leave the church telling you, I ain't left the church, but they've left the church. I don't know how long I'm going to be gone. Well, your plan is you ain't coming back. Why don't you just go ahead and tell the truth? They were sitting there under the color that they had cast anchors out of the foreship. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. So I want you to look at these people here that's in our church. I want you to get a picture in your mind who's in this church. Unless they all stay in the ship, we're not going to be saved. Hear this word now. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them that they would take meat and eat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Anybody ever fasted fourteen days? Yeah. What happens in that fourteenth day? Are you hungry? Let me share with you what's going on. I've done forty days before. The first three days you hungry. You're really hungry, especially that third day. Yeah. That third day, you're hurting from hunger. And if anybody walk up to you on that third day and hand you a cracker and you didn't like that cracker, you'd still eat it because you was hungry. I did not like spinach. I hated spinach when I was doing it. And sure enough, that day, somebody come up to the door, knocking on the door, and they had cooked spinach and said, we just wanted to bring this to your family. And I want to tell you, the more I looked at that spinach, the more it looked good. <laughs> and I was about to tear into that spinach because it was on the third day. I went to bed that night thinking about that spinach in the refrigerator. I woke up several times through the night saying, man, I need to go get me some of that spinach. But when I woke up in the morning, Mel, I didn't want nothing. I won't hungry anymore. The pain won't there. I went from the fourth day to about the 38th, to 39th day, and I didn't even think about food. In fact, if I smelled it, it would make me a little sick. But when I got up that 40th day, Lord, how mercy, I thought about spinach, Sausage I didn't like, Italian sausage, I can't stand it. I was about ready to eat that. I don't like all kinds of other stuff, and I am not really crazy about Italian stuff. I was ready to eat about anything. I'd have ate asphalt if I could have got a chance to eat it. I was that hungry. <laughs> that last day was horrible to make it through. And Thelma, as it got to about 6 o'clock that afternoon and I knew that I was fixing to be able to eat, boy, I could have ate the pots, the pans, the forks, the dishwashing liquid, everything. I was hungry. And you need to understand, when the devil come and tempted Jesus, it was at his 40th day. They tell you that you can go three days without food and water. You will die within three days of not drinking water not having some type of water in your system. But you can go 40 days without eating. But if you don't eat at that 40th day, that you will go into malnutrition and you won't be able to eat after that point. So, he said, verse 34, 
Now notice, are these people now, they finally are forced to eat in the 14th day. Because in the 14th day, they don't want nothing to eat. I know what it's like. You don't want nothing to eat. There will come a time in your walk with God in this warfare that you won't want to eat. You won't want to read your Bible. Amen. Amen. You won't want to come to church. You'd rather just sit there and watch TV. You'd say to yourself, why in the world do I want to go down there and hear Darlene's mouth or hear Kip's mouth? Why in the world do I want to do that? There ain't going to be no same old mess all the time. They were forced to eat because they needed strength. We are in the situation right now that God is telling us we got to eat. Smile at your neighbor and say, you better start eating now. Y'all got me tonight, amen? He said, wherefore I pray you take some meat, for this is your, for your help. For there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. Boy, I wish some of y'all would underline that and take that as a promise to you. Not one hair from this day forward is going to fall off your head. Boy, that's a blessing to me because I start getting this male pattern baldness right up here. So not one more piece of hair is going to fall off my hair, head. <laughs> And when he had thus spoken, he took bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of them. And when he began to broke it, he began to eat. And then were they all good, good cheer, and they also took some meat. And when he were in all the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, and they cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore, into which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors... They committed himself into the sea, loosed the rudder bands, and hoisted up the mainsail of the wind, and made toward shore, and fallen into a place where two seas met. The currents come together. They ran the ship aground, and four parts stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves, and the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, and commanded that them, they which should swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land, and the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to the land. So you're going to make it where God wants you to go. Living water is going to make it where God wants you to go. Some of you are going to make it floating on boards. Some of you are going to make it floating on pieces. And some of you are going to have to learn how to swim. But we're going to make it. Amen. Amen. Now I'm not going to read the next chapter, but the next thing to happen is they get out there in the Malta and the people are real comfortable and real nice to them and they build them a fire. That was the concept of my message Sunday morning that it was time for us to build a fire. We need to refuel the fire. He's ready to preach tonight. (laughs) And while Paul was fueling the fire a snake come out and grabbed him on his hand bit him and he should have died I want you to know when you get the fire hot enough in this church you are going to stir up some snakes and the snakes are people that you don't even realize are even there they're close to the fire and they will wind up coming out the fire because they've never been stirred up before. Mm-hmm. So I asked you the question when I began to start. Why is it that Blaine County, Sampson County, Robinson County, and Columbus County is three to four to five times worse in proportion to the other counties in North Carolina in the statistics that I read to you Sunday morning? 
And I want to share with you, it's because there's a spirit over this area. There is a principality over this area. If you'll study the history of this area, Bladen County was the mother of counties in North Carolina. All the way to Tennessee is where this county broadened out to. In fact, where it ended was Cleveland, Tennessee. What's going on in Cleveland, Tennessee? Anybody know what's up there in Cleveland, Tennessee? The headquarters for the Church of God, the Church of God International, and the Church of God of Prophecy, and the Pentecostal Church, right in that area. Nearly every revival that is broke out in the United States of America can be traced from that city to this area. Somebody from this area, somebody from one of these counties, somebody living in that area has been the one that has ushered the greatest revival since the, the, the uh, county called Bladen began to be one little small county here. Bladen County used to encompass Sampson County, Robinson County, and Columbus County. That's the reason why Brunswick County was not a part of it. That's the reason why there's a difference in Brunswick and New Hanover. I'm really helping y'all if y'all listen to me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Billy Graham come from where? Lord have mercy. Y'all don't know where Billy Graham come from? Charlotte. Charlotte. And Bladen County used to encompass Charlotte. And all the great moves that has been going on has been in Canada. So there is a principality over this area. How many are seeing that already? Amen? Amen. So here tonight, I want to talk to you about some of the spirits that we are going to have to fight in the next coming months or so. Now, I found out something in my ministry. The genuine fire of revival will always expose evil spirits. When it starts getting hot, the devil's going to come to the surface. And I also found out that the very same fire that exposes these evil spirits is the fire that will destroy them. So we've got to build the fire. Amen? Amen. A lot of people want to leave the snake hanging on. But Paul shook the snake off and shook him in the fire and it destroyed him. So Paul had his hand attacked by the snake. Hold your fingers up in front of your face. How many fingers and thumbs you had? In one hand, how many you had? Five. What is so significant about the number five in the Bible? Huh? I can't hear. Grace. Yes, it was the first day that God ever gave us a blessing on the face of this earth. But it goes deeper than that. What does another? What is so important about the number five? How many offices are in the church? There's what? A pastor, a, a teacher, an evangelist, an apostle, and a prophet. So what God is showing us is when this snake comes out of the fire, he attacks the ministry of the church. How many of you are in ministry? Let me see your hand in some type of way. You're in ministry, you're in ministry, you're in ministry. You better get ready. You're going to be under attack. And you're going to have to learn how to shake these spirits off of you. So, the first attack comes to the leaders 
in ministry in some kind of way. But the fire of the Holy Spirit is always the answer to all these devilish dilemmas that we face day to day. It is the answer to get rid of what's going on. And, and, and what, what's going on, I want you to understand, to be aware that there is a purposed and a planned attack on this church and on your ministry and on your city. The devil has planned to destroy this area. Now, we've studied and looked at the rate of teen pregnancy. We looked at how many murders has been in this area. We looked at all of that Sunday. We went through it without going through all that there. Satan has basically strategized, and he has placed negative and influential forces in place right here in this atmospheric heaven that is over us in certain locations to adversely affect the work of some churches and ministries. Let me share you some history about Living Water Worship Center. I hate to do it because it brings my family up. On the pew that you're sitting in, right there. Thelma, the one that you're sitting in. My aunt and my uncle sat right there, and the pastor of this church, when I was eight years old, and I sat right where Tina sat at. And they had a knockdown, drag out fight in the church. They didn't hit one another. They might as well. It was the third time that it had happened in Bladenboro. First place it happened, that was at New Light Church. And my family was a part of that. Then it left from New Light Church and it went to Bethel. And it got so bad at Bethel that they called the cops to Bethel. And my family was a part of that. And my uncle, on the other side of the family felt the leadership and the call of God to come down to Bladenboro and to start a little ministry on Thursday or Friday nights. Mm -hmm. And he started right here at this little barber shop down here in Butters. And he was there and he had a good ministry going on. And the people that were in the right at Bethel started going to that little assembly. And as time went on, my, my uncle was a church planter and he felt that it was God's um, call the place, the person that led that group over this church. In 1971, they come built this building in the back. 1973, they built this one. In 1975, they built that one there. In 1973, 74, it happened in this church. It was the third time. Third time. To the point to where my uncle that was involved has vowed that he will never walk in the doors of this church again the rest of his life. Don't matter if his sister's buried here. It don't matter if the funeral's there or anybody in the family. He's not coming back to this church. It was a spirit of jealousy. Spirit of jealousy. It is a spirit that came on Cain and Abel. In the Bible, it is called rabats in, in Hebrew. And it is where we get the word rabies from. The Bible says that uh, rage or Jealousy is the rage of man or the rabies of man. The rabots of man. It is the enemy of God, against God's kingdom, that principality possessing people to be in rage and be in jealousy. The end result is what happened to Abel. The end result is what happened to Absalom. Abel died from a vicious murder. This happened in my family. Y'all hearing me? Absalom died from an accident that was tragic. And it's happened in my family on both sides. 
Not only has it happened to my family, it's happened over and over in my family. I'm sure if you sit down and you speak with some of my family members, you, they could tell you of car wrecks and car accidents that their children were involved in, that God kept them alive, and the Bible or, or the, the people and the cops would tell them, tell them that they, I don't know how they come out of that alive, but they come out alive. Are y'all with me now? I'm trying to help you understand something. However, I studied this spirit before I ever come here, and this spirit will cost you your family. It'll cost you a lot of your possessions. It'll cost you your health. It'll cost just about anything if you fight them. Because it is not a spirit that you just allow to come in for a day. It stays for 40 years. That's true. 40 years. Absalom, when that spirit got a hold of him, fought David, his own daddy, for 40 years. And at the end of the 40 years, he was dead. By a tragic accident. Mm -hmm. In this church, from the time I was eight years old, and that event happened right there. Jay Gordon's daddy was killed when a log truck fell over on the top of him, just sitting right on the road. Yeah. Just fell over and killed him. Dennis Thompson was killed right over the road here, going around the curve, the car hide the plane, flipped like this, shot him up down. He was the deacon of this church yeah. at that time. Mickey Muse was killed. He was a part of this church when it all went on. He was killed coming home from a party in the middle of the night, driving a motorcycle, and he ran a stop sign and went right into the woods. Billy Ray Cook, he was part of this church at this time. He's dead. Ann Hester, she was part of this church. She's dead. All of them were tragic accidents. It's a fruit of that enemy. Are y'all hearing me? I'm trying to help you. This spirit stays in place for 40 years. This spirit was allowed on the third occasion to come and set up a stronghold in this area by the same thing that happened in New Light, Bethel, and here. In 2014, that spirit left. Not here anymore. But another spirit has come because we did not drive it out. We allowed it to happen. God got real close, Thelma. Because the only way you can get rid of these spirits is if the fathers and the people that caused it comes back and ask God to forgive them for it. Are y'all following me? Y'all with me? Every one of the people that were involved with it in my family came back and asked God for forgiveness, except one. And he was approached on it four different occasions to ask him, to please listen to God. One time when he had a heart attack and he was in Wilmington. Another time when he had a heart attack and he was in Fayetteville. I even took a witness with me and explained to him everything I told him here. And I told him, I said, Unc, if you love your grandkids, you will get it right with God. I got it right with God. I ain't never going back out there. Okay. Seven months later, his grandchild, 20 years old, was diagnosed with cancer and she did. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? This spirit, if you don't stop it, continually will come with murder and kill you. Not long after that, in 2014, my sister-in-law of 43 years took a gun and blowed my brother's brains out while he was laying in the bed asleep. They had never had any arguments that I knew of, any type of physical problems or anything like that. It was a spirit. It was a spirit. So when God told me to come back to Bladenboro, he began to reveal this to me, 
And he said, this is the spirit you're going against. That spirit has moved on. Not here any longer. If you sit down and really talk to my family, they would tell you one after another, one after another, of who it tried to kill. Yeah. Over and over and over. Thank God I'm still here. Amen. Tried to kill me. Yeah. Tried to take me out. But God still had enough mercy and grace in my life to keep me here. But there are some spirits that has come in, and now we got to deal with them. we got to look at them. Have I scared anybody yet? Have I made you interested in some things yet? Would you say amen? The first spirit that we're going to have to deal with in this church is the spirit of Herodias. Anybody ever heard of Herodias in the Bible? Spirit of Herodias. Do you remember Herodias? She was the one that was having an affair, it's a sexual demon, that was having an affair with the, key, with the leader of the time when John the Baptist was preaching. Mm-hmm. And she used sex to have her daughter come and dance in front of the king. Mm-hmm. And the king said, if you'll dance in front of me, you can have anything that you want in the kingdom. And she said, bring me the head of John the Baptist on a charger. This spirit of Herodias moves in the church to silence repentance. How many of you have noticed in my church, in this church, mm-hmm. I can be preaching mm-hmm. and you can look at people and they're under conviction. Yeah. Yeah. And the minute that the altar call is given, they hitting out yonder to go smoke mm-hmm. them a cigarette, go to the bathroom, get out of sight. Mm-hmm. How many notice that? Mm-hmm. That's that spirit that is causing them to silence deliverance. Herodias knew that that message would not stop from John the Baptist until she killed the messenger. So what she tries to do is kill the messenger. And she'll use things to do it. Now, now, what, what Herodias wants, the spirit wants, is she wants the head removed from the body. Because if you remove John the Baptist's head, the message ain't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's dead. Right. So what she wants to do is she wants to remove the head of the church away from the church. So she brings in all these antichrist spirits. Right. Mm-hmm. That, oh, I, I'm a prophet or, or this, or they come in and they try. So she's been trying to get them out of the church. So she's trying everything she can possibly do to remove the, the head away from the body. And she always targets the head of any spiritual organization long before the, her attacks comes on the rank and file. She's always trying to come against the head of an organization. The devil has been against me. I want to tell you why. He's fouled me to the point. I want to tell you now. I can sit down and I can open up some of your eyes because I'm going to tell you what. To stand behind this pulpit, as long as I stood behind this pulpit, has cost me everything. You need to understand that. And it's because of a fight against this spirit. Now, when you lose the head, just like it is in a natural, you lose vision, you lose hearing, you lose the uh, uh, power to speak. And what this devil tries to do is he wants to come into the church and squash the mission and the vision of the church. Ain't nobody talking with me today. 
But the voice of repentance is always stymied by this spirit when there's a failure in the body. We find that there's loss of confidence and trust that precedes every time the church is about to break through and a harvest is fixing to come. This spirit raises up his head because it don't want a harvest. How many would agree this church has been close to revival several times? Has it been close to revival since you've been here? Darlene, has it been close to revival? Has it been close to revival? And we've got right at the point of revival, and then all of a sudden, a loss of confidence and trust in leadership blankets the church. I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at you. I'm just telling you how to is. The devil does everything he possibly can to keep us from breaking forth. Why? Because this spirit does not want Christ in the church. Mm -hmm. Are y'all with me now? Amen. Amen. Now, what this spirit did is it brought this girl in to dance in front of them. Now, I want to, check, I want to give you some advice. You might want to write this down. Be very careful about what you allow to dance in front of you. Because somebody's head is on the line while the devil is dancing in front of you. If there's another church beckoning you, you better be careful. You better be careful. The daughter of Herodias is the one that danced in front of the king. Well, this daughter is anything that causes you to lose your focus and forget your priorities. You'll have your focus right here and one little teeny thing will happen. You're right at the minute of a breakthrough, and all of a sudden, you're over here and you're focusing on something that don't matter. That's that spirit that's moving on you. She's tantalizing. She's a seductive siren. She comes directly from the devil, and she's come to entertain you to the point to where you would abandon your good sense and make some foolish decisions in your life. Because she don't want the future of the kingdom of God to be at work in your life. Am I helping anybody here tonight? Yes. So, everybody here should surround the people that are in leadership of this church. And pray for them. Because this devil is trying to destroy this church. Y'all with me tonight? Amen. Second spirit, write it down. The spirit of Jezebel. Boy, I hate this spirit. Now, I want to tell you about her. <laughs> Her job is to silence revival in the church. So Herodias comes in and silence repentance, which is what brings revival. But then you can get beyond her and get people to repent, and now you find out that there's a spirit there stopping the voice of revival. Jezebel was a complex woman. She was written about in the Old Testament, and the spirit of Jezebel is a very complex influence in some churches today, and she's tried her hand here in this church. And just as Jezebel in the Old Testament wanted dominance and control over a nation, the spirit of Jezebel desires dominance and control of a church. Won't even tell the preacher what the preacher is supposed to preach. Well, you were mighty hard today. You keep that up, there ain't nobody coming to the church anymore. Boy, you don't need to get in people's business like that. That's the spirit of Jezebel. Telling you don't preach what God tells you to preach. Silence in the voice of revival.
Now, when her regime was challenged by Elijah's presence in the kingdom, the spirit of Elijah is the only anointing that would destroy the power and the spirit of Jezebel. She began to manipulate and intimidate and threaten to the point that even prophet Elijah, as powerful as he was, run to escape her wrath. This is a very powerful force of the enemy to be reckoned with. And she will reject, listen to me, here's one of her characteristics, she will reject the thoughts of submission to godly authority, and she will bristle up on anything that suggests humility in her life. And I'm using the word her. It can affect men either way. When someone are stubborn, everybody holler out and say stubborn. stubborn. Holler it out again. Stubborn. Say it one more time. When they're going to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, regardless of what anybody says, it is the spirit of Jezebel. Let me give you fruit. This preacher up here preached for 18 solid months. You got to come to church. That was holding people accountable. But what did the people tell me? I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'll go to church on Sunday morning. That's all I need to go if I go then. And if I decide to go one time a month, who are you to say anything to me? If I show up on Easter and Mother's Day and Christmas, then everything's fine. That's the attitude. That's the spirit of Jezebel. Because they will not submit. They will not submit. So they reject that thought of rejecting to a, to, or submitting to a godly authority. And they promote rebellion. And insurrection, church splits in the body of Christ. Bring, I can't believe the preacher said that Sunday. It's the spirit of Jezebel. The Bible says if you have an awe against a brother, mm -hmm. you go to that brother. Just between you and that brother. And if you and that brother can straighten it out, squash it. It's dead. It's history. Mm -hmm. Nobody should hear nothing else about it. If I have a problem with care, I should go to care, and care is the only one that ever hears about it if we can get it right. The Bible says if I can't get it right with care, that's when I go to other people and I bring in two witnesses to hear what care has to say and what I have to say. So the most that anybody should hear would be four people. Everybody and say four. Four. And the last thing is if neither one of us would come together, that's when you bring it for the church, and that's when the church hears all about it. That's right. And it's tried in the house of God mm -hmm. by a jury of their own peers. Mm -hmm. How many of you right now can think of a problem in this church that more than four people know about? Yeah. Would you say amen? amen? Have they talked to that person they had a problem with? Have they went and got two witnesses to go to that person face to face? It's a spirit of Jezebel. This is a spirit that we're going to have to deal with in the church. So this spirit will not respect the move of God in any way, shape, or form. And when her control is threatened, she's going to rally her forces and attempt to stifle the revival voice in the land. She's going to try everything she can to stop it from happening. She's going to make the preacher sick. She's going to make the preacher say, I don't care no more. Are y'all following me? Amen? Amen? Let me quickly give you the third one. i got five minutes. 
The Michael spirit. M-I-C-H-A-L. Michael spirit. This was the woman that was Saul, King Saul's daughter that married David. And her duty is to come in and silence the voice of praise in the church. Hmm. Boy, your preacher almost has to get loud to make people stand up and give the praise to God. I remember Sunday morning, I had to ask you to stand up how many times? How many times? Four, Four times. Finally, I had to raise my voice and say, Good God, can't you please stand up? I didn't do it in a bad way. I'm just sharing with you what this spirit does. This spirit seeks to silence the voice of worship and praise in the church. Why? Because Satan hates believers rejoicing and praising because it establishes the presence of God in the church. The Bible says that I inhabit the praises of my people. So when you start praising and worshiping the Lord, the Lord's got to come. And the reason why we ain't got them here is because Mel won't praise God. Because care won't praise God. Because we're going to sit back there with our arms closed and wait for somebody to talk to us like a baby to make us stand up. It's a spirit. It's not you. It's a spirit. It is the spirit of McCall or Michael, whichever way you want to call her. And the very thing that should bring the church together in unity has often been cited as the cause of some pastor's most grievous woes and heartaches. That is, that there's controversy in the church over worship. That music's too loud. Oh, how many hear me now? Why can't you pick some other songs to sing than what you're singing? Why don't you get so-and-so to sing? You need to do something about that stuff. Or, I can't believe Janice, 80 years old, got up there and turned a cartwheel. I don't know about them people. They're crazy. You're never going to see me up there doing all that stuff, jumping up and down, acting the fool. That's the spirit of Martha. Because what happened is, when David brought the glory of God into the place, she literally lost it. And she said, well, you such a wonderful sight sitting out there showing yourself to all them women out there embarrassing yourself and embarrassing me. You see, this spirit will use the fact that you love the person that is grumbling at you about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because what you're doing, they think, embarrasses them. It's a spirit. Are y'all hearing me? So we've got the spirit of Herodias, the spirit of Jezebel, and the spirit of Michael that we have got to come against in this church. That is what's holding back revival in our church. Is anybody here with me tonight? Amen. Amen. So let me wrap up real quick. How many remember the story of Saul? And as King Saul was possessed by the devil... The people and the leaders realized that someone's talent, anointed by God, can stop a devil from manifesting. So they got David to come in and play his harp. 
And as long as he played his harp and Saul got a benefit out of it, everything was fine. But the minute that David started praising God, Saul lost it. Saul wanted to kill him. The minute David started really truly worshiping God, Saul threw javelins at him to try to kill him. So the devil will let you praise the Lord because talent will keep a anointed talent will keep a devil at bay. But when you really get to the point here where you're going to worship God in spirit and in truth, that's when them snakes is coming out. Michael come out because the, the anointing on David blessed her. The anointing on a talent will bless you. An anointing on a gift will bless you. Am I helping anybody? Amen. It will help you. It will bless you. It's a rollover anointing. In your, if you are associated with someone that is gifted, you're going to be blessed. Amen. However, when you move to deep worship, that's when the spirit of Michael will stand up and say, look at how embarrassing you are of me. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe that you as a preacher, as a king, as a deacon did that. But I like Paul's answer to her. He looked at her and said, it was before the Lord. And if you think I've lost it up to this point, you better go ahead and brace yourself because I'm really going to show you how to lose it. I think that it's time for the church to rise up against this spirit that's out there called the spirit of Michael, McCall, whatever you want to call her, and stand up against her. I don't care what you say. If you think I've lost it up at this point, just pay attention a little bit longer because I'm really going to show you just how crazy I can get for God. Amen? I believe that it's time for us as the church to stand up and bind the spirit of Jezebel and say you're not going to stop revival. Never once again will Living Water Worship Center labor and pray and fast and take communion and get right at the door of revival and die at the door of revival. We're going to break through. Can you say amen? I think we need to stand up and ask the Lord to come give us the boldness to look at this spirit of Herodias that's in this church and to bind her up and send her out of here so true repentance can hit this church and people that have jumped ship come back to this house and dedicate themselves to the Lord and move on and fulfill the purpose that God has for living water. Amen? Amen. So I preach that tonight. I'll probably preach it again. I'm probably going to recite this a lot until it gets into people's brains. I told you starting right before Christmas that God had gave me a series to preach and that you're going to have to get used to hearing the same thing because it is taken, oh my Lord, it's taken 10 to 12 services to get everybody in the church to be able to hear what God has to say one time. So we got to come together. I want you to smile at your person right beside of you and say, but be a good cheer. Say it again. Say, be a good cheer. Encourage yourself. Get happy within yourself. Have a good time within yourself. Make up your mind that you're going to actually lead the force of repentance. Make up your mind that you are going to be the one that's going to help revival come. Make up your mind that you're going to stand up and you're not going to silent praise. You're going to raise your voice. You're going to raise your hand. You're going to run around this church. You're going to have a good time in God because, see, the devil's been trying to kill you. And you're still alive. 
And you got something to praise the Lord for. Amen. Amen. Smile that right beside of you and say, you need to stay on the ship. I need you now more than I ever have. Stand with me tonight. I hope that this has helped you out a little bit. Did this 